Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to our afternoon show, Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. Good to see you, Peter, and I'm looking forward to this afternoon's time together. It's going to be another great show, I'm sure. I've certainly been enjoying our times on Wednesday afternoons together. And uh, just a reminder that you can uh, usually hear a, a repeat of this show, I think mainly uh, sometimes on a Friday afternoon they'll repeat it, but also you can find the podcasts of previous episodes at faithfm.com.au. So if you want to catch up on some of the things that we've been talking about in the last few weeks, then you can find uh, those um, materials at faithfm.com.au. Now let me tell you how you can contact us because we have... Um, had people sending messages and questions. Mm, very good and, messages. And uh, we want to encourage you to do that. If you'd like to call in and leave a message or a comment or a question, you can do that on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text in 0491-064-669-0491-064-669 for the text. So, Danny, um, maybe before we get stuck into today, um, let's talk a little bit about where we've been so far. Yes. In this series, Looking Up, and uh, that's that uh, reference, Looking Up, is taken from a, a passage in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, where it says, When you see all these things happen, beginning to happen, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. So um, we've been talking about how the COVID-19 crisis uh, intersects with Bible prophecy. Does the Bible have anything to say about the time in which we live? Um, what is the COVID-19 crisis telling us about the world and about the time in which we live? And we want to look at that through this series. And so we've been looking at various topics. We looked at um, COVID-19 as an end time sign and uh, a wake-up call for the world. We looked at its impact on health uh, we've looked at the economic implications. Uh, we had a great uh, testimony from Leah Hodge, her journey with God. And we've looked at the ecology, the impact COVID-19's had on the ecology. And then we looked at uh, some of the material from Genesis, the fact that God created the world. We looked at some of that, creation mm -hmm. and evolution. And then last week we looked at uh, the Sabbath, which was uh, the seventh day of the week, the memorial that God created mm -hmm. as a memorial for creation. So that's where we've been so far. We are going to um, tell you, I'll talk a little bit more, Danny, about where we're headed after this, but we're going to go to another song, uh, which is uh, Hoku Clements and Your Will Be Done. We hope that you'll enjoy listening to this and we'll come back in a few moments. Give 
listening to Your Will Be Done by Hoku Clements and uh, 
Welcome back to Faith FM, looking up the afternoon show on a Wednesday afternoon with me, Peter Watson, my wonderful sidekick, uh, friend and co-host, Danny Milinkov. And uh, we're going to be, uh, we mentioned before the break that we were going to pick up from where we left off last, off last week. And we talked about uh, the biblical Sabbath. We talked about uh, the day, the seventh day that God created as a memorial for creation back in, in Genesis. And we're going to pick up on that uh, in a little while. But I thought, uh, Danny, tell me what you've been up to in the last couple of days. Well, everything's been going along reasonably normally. However, yesterday I was able Normally to get... in a COVID-19 crisis. <laughs> Everybody else is in crisis, but Danny's bobbing along normally. Normally. The new normal. The new <laughs> normal for me is just normal everyday um, living. But, yeah, now yesterday um, I had the opportunity to go for a bit of a bike ride, mountain biking on my favourite track okay. called the Awaba Track there, All not right. far from Kurumbong where I live. It's I'm going to have to check that out. My, my, a, my son talked about that. I have not been on that. So. It's a fantastic bike track. And okay. um, if anyone out there has, has been, you will know what I'm talking Are about. Are there it, any hills? Yeah, there's a few hills. Look, it's, it's a bit scary the first time you go. Like, I was introduced to it, and I remember my response. I was like, you got to be joking. This... This is not for people who are sane or people who care about their bodies. And, so you got struck right in. <laughs> absolutely. When I saw what I was in for, but now I absolutely love it. It just grows on you. It's totally different from riding on the, on, the, on the road. And the reason why I like it is the worst thing that can happen is that you slam into a tree. But there's well, no yeah. truck. There's no that, truck. <laughs> that could be a bit damaging. <laughs> that could be just that a little. That explains a lot. But look, it's better than like getting hit by a car or a truck well, or so. a bus, you know, which is far more dangerous. It's and nice. plus, I'm out in nature. I love to be out in there nature, fresh air. And um, yeah, it's just fantastic. So anyway, that's what I did yesterday. I had a, had a blast. Well, I, you know, we have a... What about uh, you? Well, we have a bike in our um, shed there that's been in bits for a little while. And I felt that it was well worthwhile. Um, it was high time that I dragged that into the garage and fixed it up. So uh, a couple of days ago, we, we uh, patched up that bike. So my wife and I now have bikes ready to go. We haven't been on them yet. But we have them ready to go, so maybe one of these days we'll we'll chase you down the Awaba track. We'll see how. We well, go. don't bring along your wife, otherwise she won't remain your <laughs> wife for very long. <laughs> okay, it's well, that kind you, of track. Don't don't do that. Anyway, all right. Okay, so last week, Danny, we've been talking about um, COVID nineteen, its biblical implications. Um, you know, where are we in the world? Where are we in world's history? Um, and, you know, what difference is all of this going to make? And we uh, talked a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the ecology of the world, the environment, and we were talking about how the fact that COVID-19 has come along and it's actually been beneficial for the environment because the world has been given a rest, mm-hmm. people have been given a bit of a rest, um, and the, the, uh, the air is clearing and the pollution levels are down, and so... Uh, people have said, hey, you know what? This could tell us something about the fact that the, the world needs a rest, the world needs a break. And they've been talking about a common day of rest, okay? And uh, we mentioned that, you know, well, that was God's plan in the beginning. God created a day of rest for humanity. It's called the Sabbath, and we talked all about that last week. What many people may have been surprised to discover is that the Sabbath of the Bible is the day we commonly call Saturday. And I know that for me, when I heard about this for the first time, I thought, uh, wait, no, hang on, what? Uh, Because I always thought that, uh, you know, 
the holy day, the rest day, was Sunday. And, and you know, that's the case for most people around the world. So that's you, what they would imagine. And even if you don't go to church, and I grew up not going to church, um, I was very aware that Sunday was, you know, the Christian day of rest. So you thought that Sunday was the Sabbath. So when people talk Sabbath, right. they're talking Sunday. Well, and Sabbath I guess it's equated I, to like the Lord's Day. Yeah. A lot of people see well, Sunday look, as the yeah, Lord's Day. Correct. And so, yeah, if, so I if, guess it makes sense from that point of view how people can come to the conclusion that, yes, Sunday is the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. Yeah. So if it you would have asked me growing up which day is the Lord's Day, I could tell you I wasn't religiously inclined. I couldn't really care less mm. about religion at that point in time. And um, but yes, uh, if you'd have asked me which day is the Lord's Day, everybody knows that Sunday is the Lord's Day. And actually, we're going to find out how that occurred today. We're going to look at some of uh, church history. But what we want to do is, is really ask the question, if in fact the Sabbath of the Bible is the day we commonly call Saturday, in fact, you pointed out last week, Danny, that the Sabbath of the Bible comes in, it, it, it begins at sunset Friday and ends at sunset Saturday, and that's how days were accounted well, that's for right. that's because in the, the Bible. The first part of the day in the Bible is the evening. It yeah. was evening and the morning, the, first, the first day, day and so forth. Yeah. So that, but, the, but the bulk of that day, of course, is Saturday, and, and that's uh, what the Bible calls the Sabbath. Now, obviously, people are going to ask the question, how then did Sunday become regarded as a Christian holy day? And so what we want to do is, is take a look at that topic today. Yeah, well, look, at the end of the day, the, the, the obvious question uh, for a Christian in particular is, uh, what does the Bible say? Yeah. Uh, because the Christians, ever since the days of the Reformation, when, when Christianity uh, really took off uh, called, you know, through the Protestant Reformation, the, the cry has been sola scriptura. Martin Luther made that famous, you know, the scriptures and the scriptures alone. So if the Bible speaks of the seventh day as the Sabbath, which is Saturday, as you've pointed out, from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, then the obvious question is, where did we get Sunday from? That's right. And how did that come to be the common practice for Christianity? So when, you, you know, when you're talking about the Reformation, you're saying well, that's when Christianity really took off. I guess that's when re Christianity got revived. Got Christianity revived, yeah. had been around for yeah. 1,500 years, but um, that's when it got revived. And we're going to touch on some of those things. We're going to look at uh, some of the history of the church. We're going to look, uh, but we're going to go right back to the Bible to begin with, as you rightly said, Danny. And, uh, you know, if you look, it's very interesting. If you think about the, um, the days uh, of the week in the Bible, they're typically just numbered. Yes. Day one, day two, day three, and so forth. Um, and then, um, well, they are. They're all numbered. You don't have yeah. Wednesday or Thursday or Friday in the original text. Yeah. In either Old or New Testament. So, so we, what's fascinating is maybe we should do this. Um, is we, we we could look at Luke twenty three, because I think what we want to do is we want to look at those verses that are around um, Jesus' crucifixion. Okay, because most people will recognise. Uh, some of the, the days around the crucifixion weekend, we're going to have a look at some of that. And most people, I think, will, will um, remember some of the things we're going to talk about here. So when Jesus died on the cross, okay, they, uh, after he had died, there was a man by name of Joseph of Arimathea, and he wanted the body of Jesus, and he was going to bury it in a tomb that belonged to him. Okay, and it says here in Luke chapter 23 
and verse 54, it says, That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Now, I want to pause there. When we think about the day that Jesus died on the cross, we actually still in secular Australia, we still have a national holiday commemorating the day on which Jesus died on the cross. And it's, it's a Friday. So we, we call, call it, it yeah we call it good friday we call it good friday and so everybody would know would would know the phrase good friday because everybody gets the day off off work right so uh we will remember that but so jesus died on a friday died on the cross on a friday uh, and we have a national holiday to commemorate that then it said and it says of that day it says that day was the preparation mm. and the sabbath drew near so in other words from a biblical point of view as i mentioned before the days are numbered Day one, day two, day three, all the way up to day five. And then day six here is given a title or a a, a reference, which is the preparation day. And that is because the day before the Sabbath was called the preparation day. We have that that all the way back in uh, Exodus chapter 16 and the giving of the manna. Right. Because that's where that's where we're really first introduced to this concept of preparation day. Yeah. On the sixth day of the week where Mm. God said, you know, you are to prepare uh, twice as much manna on the preparation day because on Saturday, well, on the Sabbath, there will be no manna. And you, you were to wash and so yeah, on and yeah. so forth and you cook everything. Bake and you boil to, and all sorts. So, exactly yeah. right, yeah. Well, you could think of like, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, listening, you, you might think about Christmas time. On Christmas Day, all the shops are shut, everybody's off work. But the day before, you do a lot of preparation. That's right. <laughs> right? Up because you know Christmas is coming. In fact, we call it Christmas <laughs> Eve. Eve. Yeah, that's right. And the reason for that, and people may not know this, but the reason it's called Christmas Eve is because the evening part of that day is considered part of Christmas. Mm, yes, yeah, um, Because the day starts at sunset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So very interesting. Same with New Year's Eve. That's true, yes, that's true. The, New Year's Eve means the evening part belongs to that next day. But anyway, so you've got to hear... Luke 23, verse 54, that day was the preparation. That would be the Friday when Jesus died on the cross. And the Sabbath drew near. So the Sabbath hasn't started yet, but it's drawing near. Okay, Because we know, we know from the Gospels that Jesus died at 3 p.m. In, yeah. At the ninth hour, yep. which is 3 p.m. Around p- Friday, 3 p.m. That's Friday right. afternoon. Yep, Friday afternoon. So that was the preparation. The Sabbath drew near. And then it says, And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and his body, uh, sorry, how his body was laid. Verse 56, Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Hmm. Now, the very next verse is Luke 24, verse 1 which says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, that is the women, and certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Let me just break this down a little bit. So you have the preparation day, which is the day we call Friday, Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross. It says the Sabbath drew near. The women who had helped see Jesus buried in the tomb, they went home, and it says, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. That's according to the Ten Commandments, right? And so they keep the Sabbath. That would be the day we commonly call Saturday. Then you have here Luke 24, verse 1, now on the first day of the week, that's when Jesus rose from the tomb. And again, amongst the Christian world, everybody would recognize which day did Jesus rise from the dead. 
It would be what? What day would it be, Danny? Oh, we call it Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, we do. Resurrection right. Sunday. Easter so, Sunday. Yeah. So Jesus dies on the cross on a Friday. He's in the tomb on the Sabbath or the Saturday, and then he rises from the dead on the Sunday. And so the, the question then is, well, maybe that's why Sunday became a Christian mm. holiday. I mean, does the Bible indicate that? And that's what we want to find out. Yes, there that's are the big actual, question. That is the big question. Because a lot of people question. think that because Jesus rose... On the first day of the week, that is now the new Christian Sabbath for Christians. Indeed. Indeed. Um, according to Scripture, it must be there somewhere. Well, here's, here's a little bit of a, a pop quiz for you. Um, how many references do you think there are to the first day of the week in the Old Testament? I think there's only one. Well, that's right. You're supposed to say, I don't know. But anyway, that's right. There is only, it's incredible to find, there is only one reference to the first day of the week in the Old Testament. And that is, you know, those early verses in chapter one of Genesis. Right and, at the beginning. And the beginning and the evening and the morning were the first day. first day. And God had said, let there be light on that day. And you have that phrase attached to every other day of the week, the evening, the morning were the second day, the evening, the morning, the third day. So that's the only reference. You know, that's quite remarkable. There's only one, <laughs> one, one reference on the very first page, mm. but no other references throughout the entire Old Testament. In, in contrast, if you look at how many references there are to the Sabbath in the Old Testament, mm. there are 118. 118. 118. Wow. But let's come to the New Testament because this is where people might say, well, yes, in the New Testament, though, they change the day from Sabbath to Sunday. Yes. Uh, and this is what we want to investigate today. You know, we want to find out what the data tells us. And in the New Testament, there are eight mm -hmm. references to the, new, the first day of the week in the New Testament. Uh, that's a significant uh, increase that, that is, on yes. what you find in the Old Testament, right? Eight references. But I also want to mention, how many references do you think there are to the Sabbath in the New Testament? I reckon there'd be at least 40, 50, possibly? 68. 68, wow. 68 references to the Sabbath in the New Testament. So what I'm trying to say here is in contrast, so if we were going to say, hey, wow, eight references to the first day of the week, this must have been an important day. Then you look at 68 references to the Sabbath in the New Testament. Um, that's an interesting statistic alone. But what Let's you've go got to back. Do, what go you've got to do is you've got to ask yourself, what are those first day references Correct. in reference to? There could, be, there could be a hundred, but what is, the, what is the context and what are they referring to? Yep, and we're going to look at that. That's what we'll talk about next. We're going to take another little break for some music. When we come back, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at all eight of those mm. references in the New Testament to the first day of the week. And it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. We're going to take some more music now. This is uh, Matt Minicus and Josie Minicus with a song simply called Peace. I'm letting you leave. 
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that music and that news break. My name's Danny and um, Peter and I, we are continuing on this exciting journey here today, looking at this change that has taken place from the seventh day Sabbath to the first day of the week. Before we went to the break, we were discussing uh, how the scriptures very clearly speak of the first day of the week as being Sunday. We took a look at Luke chapter 23. Welcome back, Peter. Good to have you back, brother. It's great to be back, Danny. And uh, we're, just, we're, just, we're just launching into launching um, in. the first. We're, we're talking about the first day of the week. And you mentioned we the incredible were. number of times that um, the first day of the week, sorry, only eight times in the New Testament and about, what was it, 60-odd of the Sabbath in the yeah, New Testament, for sure. So let's take a look at the first time. Yeah, we'll look at the, um, the we're going to look at these first day references in the New Testament. And the first one is Matthew twenty eight verse one, and maybe you can I've read got that, that out. I have that right here in front. We're of We're not going to read all of these out, but I just want to emphasize because uh, five of these, the first five of these eight, all deal with the day upon which Jesus rose from the dead, uh, which is the resurrection day, the day we call Sunday. So. Yeah, read that out for I'll us. Matthew 28, one. verse 1. It's in Matthew 28, verse 1, and this is what it says. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Okay. So, yeah, and if you read, I'm going to read them out here. There's Matthew 28, verse 1, which you just read. Mark 16, 1 and 2. Mark 16, verse 9. Luke 24, 1, which we've already read. Um, John chapter 20, verse 1. Those five references are all talking about Jesus rose on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, that kind of thing. They came to the tomb. The tomb was empty, and that was because Jesus had risen, and then we, we see Jesus later on. The, another reference, which is John chapter 20 and verse 19. Yeah, I have that here. You've got that there. So John chapter 20 and verse 19. Maybe you can read that one. Let me put this in context for people. This one is a week later, okay, a week later. Now, let me just put that in context. So Jesus appears to the disciples on the first day of the week. He appeared to them in the upper room, and they were all amazed. They saw the resurrected Christ. But Thomas was not amongst them. Mm, that's and right. And, you, you, you know, many people have heard the phrase doubting Thomas. Well, it comes from this story because Thomas comes back. Uh, he sees the disciples. They're all excited and say we saw jesus and he says well i'm not going to believe that until i see him for myself mm. and uh, a week later we read uh, about this um this is what it says yeah then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the jews 
Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Okay, so this is this is when he meets the yes, the same day evening. So this is actually that same resurrection day. Okay, he appears to the disciples a week later with Thomas. This isn't the one where this was the one where Thomas was not present. Okay, so the point being, there are six references there that we've just reeled off um, that deal with the first day of the week, and they're they're just revealing that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. There's nothing in those verses specifically that says this is now a new worship day or this is now a new Sabbath. In fact, the Sabbath had just passed. It was the day before. Um, So none of these verses say this is a new worship day, this is a new Sabbath, this is a day you should remember every week. None of those things are attached to any of these verses. What we want to do now is look at the other two verses that mention the first day of the week in the New Testament. Because some people look at these and say, this is it, this is the material, this is where, why we keep Sunday instead of Saturday. Okay. So Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. And people will say, ha, this is on the first day of the week. The disciples are coming together. Um, They're coming together to break bread. And Paul is preaching. So you've got preaching. The disciples come together. They're breaking bread. It's the first day of the week. This is obviously a worship service. Okay. Now, again, what's interesting is that the, the key things that you would expect to be there, like this is a new day of worship, this is a new Sabbath day, this is a new rest day, we want you to remember this every week, none of those elements are attached here. And what's interesting is if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In other words, the disciples were breaking bread every day. That's right. Okay, so there was nothing particularly special. And they were about going that. to church every day, according and that, to well, this scripture. Right. And in Acts chapter five, verse forty-two, it says, "And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ." So they're preaching and teaching every day. They're breaking bread every day. They were gathering together on many occasions. And so none of those things tell us that it's a new Sabbath day or that the old Sabbath was abolished. And there's nothing wrong with getting together each and every day with a group of believers, breaking bread and worshipping the Lord and singing and reading the word and so forth. There's nothing wrong with doing that seven days a week. On a daily basis. On a daily basis. Nothing wrong with that at all. However, uh, we are here speaking of a day that God set aside that, as we discovered last week, he rested on. He's sanctified or set apart for holy use, um, and also he blessed. And so the Sabbath day is very different to the other days of the week. And so that's the that's the thing we really need to be mindful of. Yeah, to remember from last week. We talked about that last week. So, um, Peter. Yep. I've got another couple. There's another one. There's another verse on the first day of the week that we just want to examine Okay. Uh, before we launch into some of the history mm. um, because uh, it's very interesting what the history reveals. Yes. Um, because now there, this, are, there the, are going to be some things in this history of the Christian church that many people wouldn't have a clue about. I never had a clue about them. And there are a lot of Christians that I've met who, who 
have not known about some of the things we're going to talk about today. So that's seven out of the eight scriptures. Now, right. this one here yep. can trip people up. This yep. scripture that we're going to go to now in Corinthians. Why, why don't you read that through, Danny? It's First uh, Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. This is what it says. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. Thank you for reading that, Danny. So uh, what the, the background of this situation is there was a famine in Jerusalem. Paul is taking up a collection of goods and uh, materials to, to send to Jerusalem for those that were struggling in the famine there. And he says, concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given orders, uh, on the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside. Some people are saying, oh, look, they're taking up an offering. It must be a, a worship service. Well, that's what you do in church. You but actually, he's just saying on the first day of the week, put something aside. So when I come, we'll collect it and take it off to Jerusalem. And it's interesting. Some of the newer translations of the Bible um, actually uh, have have inserted in this text and, and rightly so lay something aside at home. Right. Uh, so this was something that they were to do in their homes. And why on the first day of the week? Well, that's because if you don't, as we all know, if you don't set aside that money right at the beginning of the week, by the end there. of the week, it won't be there. We all know. It's vanished. We all know what it's like. So Paul was saying, hey, look, this is really important. Um, our brothers and sisters there in Judea, where this horrible uh, drought um, has taken place, this famine, as you called it, uh, they they need to be prioritized. We need to prioritize their need above our needs. So on the first day of the week, on Sunday, um, you need to, and by the way, this letter was most probably read to the church in Corinth because it's addressed to the Corinthians, mm. but it was probably read on Sabbath because we know that Paul for 18 months, I don't know if we're going to get there. I think we looked at that last week. I think week. we looked at it. Well, yeah. well we it alluded to it. was part of the it. material. We did. We alluded to it because we said there are many uh, references to the disciples in the book of Acts um, keeping Sabbath or gathering on Sabbath or preaching on Sabbath. And so, and the, and that's true that Paul went and uh, he reasoned with the people in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he said uh, he said every Sabbath, and he stayed there a year and a half. That's so, right, for eighteen months. So most likely, this letter was read on the Sabbath during the Sabbath worship service, and the very next day, I guess when the sun set, that was the yep. beginning of the first day on Saturday night. Yeah, away they went and um, set that money aside for their brothers and sisters yep. in Judea. There's one other passage that I want to deal with before we get into Christian history. And that is in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Mm. And that is because uh, many people will quote this verse as kind of a watershed moment when the Sabbath was no longer being kept and now it's the first day of the week. And we just want to examine that a little bit and find out what it has to say. So in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, we read this. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. He says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And I want you to notice there, there are five things mentioned. Uh, and he, he, he doesn't say don't keep the Sabbath. He's saying don't let anybody judge you in these things. Mm. And what are these things that he talks about? Food, drink, a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. There's five things there, okay? And these were all connected to the ceremonial law. These were the, the laws of 
uh, ceremonies and sacrifices. And the reason we know that is this was not talking about the Sabbath of the Ten Commandments. That's the, Jews, the Jews had many feast days. That's right. They were also called Sabbaths, days of rest. Um, but they were through the year, yearly calendar not attached to the weekly Sabbath. And these five elements, food, drink, festivals, new moon and Sabbaths, we can actually find them attached to the ceremonial law in another place in the scriptures. Um, so, for instance, if I were to ask you, how, when you read the Ten Commandments, how much food is mentioned in the Ten Commandments? No food is it's mentioned. It's not there. No. It's not there. What about drink? No. no. That's not there either. What about festivals? Nothing about that. New moon? No. No. So why would you imagine that this... Sabbath reference is in reference to the Seventh-day Sabbath of the Ten Commandments when none of those other elements are in the Ten Commandments. The problem is most, uh, well, not most, <clears throat> but certainly a significant number of individuals, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm speaking sort of within, within the Christian realm, don't understand uh, that the Old Testament speaks of the Seventh-day Sabbath as well as these ceremonial right. Sabbaths. Yes. Um, and in there's, this passage, difference. in this passage, as we will uh, take a look at this scripture in Ezekiel, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from these ceremonial Sabbaths. Well, what's fascinating to me, I'm going to get you to read this, uh, if, if you will, and it's Ezekiel 45, 17. But what's fascinating to me is not only do you have the same five elements that Paul mentions, you have the same five elements in the same order. Wow. So he's directly quoting, so he's just this pulled is, that passage yeah. straight out of and Ezekiel. Let's just pause for a moment and talk about what this is. This is talking about restoring temple worship after the Babylonian captivity. So this is talking this reference is talking about reasserting the temple, re getting getting the temple worship back together because it talks about sacrifices. And of course by the time you come to the cross and the New Testament there's no more need for sacrifices. That's right. So let me let me read that. Yep. It says um, it says this in Ezekiel chapter 45 and verse 17. Yep. If you're taking notes, um, then it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings at the feasts, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and at all the appointed seasons of the house of Israel. And if you go on, and we won't now, but if you go and read the rest of that passage, it talks about the sacrifices. There's one more passage I'm going to read, Danny, because it said about those things in Colossians. It says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. If you look at Hebrews 10, 1 to 4, we read this and it talks about what those shadows are, Okay. For the law, he says, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those approach perfect. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. The point is that those shadows were the sacrificial system that pointed to Jesus and when Jesus came, we no longer needed that sacrificial system. But that Sabbath reference there in Colossians 2 is not referencing the Sabbath of the Ten Commandments, and that's important to note. And Paul's very clear Jesus made a public spectacle. So when he died on the cross, that's why the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Yeah. All right. So we're going to look at some of the history in a moment. We're going to take a little break and have some more music. Uh, because we're trying to cover a lot of things here. But we're going to uh, listen to Caleb and Kelsey singing King of Kings. In the darkness we were waiting 
without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the Welcome back. You were listening to King of King of Kings, and uh, we're back here on the afternoon show at Faith FM called Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and Danny Malenkov, my co-host and good friend. We've been talking about the change of the Sabbath, how Sunday became a religious institution. Uh, we haven't really got to that section yet. We're talking about the Sabbath, and was the Sabbath changed in the Bible? So far, we haven't had. 
Uh, we haven't found any um, evidence for God changing the Sabbath, but there are some references sometimes that people look at and say, well, well, maybe, you know, does this does this tell us that there's been a change? Uh, you've got one of those references there, Danny. Yes, I do. And, um, yeah, there, there, is, there is the argument or some have the impression that it doesn't really matter what day you worship on. And it's based on this scripture here okay. that I want to read from Romans chapter 14 and verse 5. So I'll read the scripture. And I had this um, posed to me not so long ago as I was doing a Bible study on this subject uh, with a young couple. And they asked me this very question based on this scripture. So this is what it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And, um, and earlier on, earlier on, it, it, it says, you know, do not judge. Do not judge one another. Right. And so there are Christians that say, look, you know, uh, for you, the seventh day is your day of worship. For me, the first day of the week is my day of worship. The Bible's very clear. We ought not to judge one another. You esteem one day above right. another. I esteem a different day. And let's just all get along. Okay. And so what we've got to do is we've got to ask ourselves these verses, what is the context that what they are What are they talking about? Exactly. So let me read the context. So we'll go up the... We'll go up the up the passage here to verse 3 and it simply says verse 2 for one believes he may eat all things but he who is weak eats only vegetables let not him who eats despise him who does not eat and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats for god has received him and then who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or falls indeed he will be made to stand for god is able to make him stand and then it goes on with the one person esteems one day um and so verse 6 he who observes the day observes it to the lord and he who does not observe the day to the lord does not observe it and so forth no one go on and read mm. the rest of that but basically in a nutshell uh the apostle paul here in romans he's not here speaking of the sabbath day he doesn't mention the sabbath day at all he's speaking of a day that one esteems above another in the connection of food yeah eating or not to eat and this is very clearly in reference to what jesus spoke of when he talked about those who fasted, the when Jews, you fast. exactly, the Jews fasted, and you might remember the, the 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 parable there, I guess, of the of the tax collector and the and the Pharisee, was it the tax collector and mm. the Pharisee, where the Pharisee said, "I fast twice." A week. a week, yeah. And so Jews back then had certain days that they had set aside for fasting and they had and they had come to the point where they believed religiously that these were the only days acceptable to God to fast. And Paul is saying, hey, if you want to fast on the Wednesday, go ahead. If you want to do it on the Thursday, the Friday, the Tuesday or whatever, that's fine. If you don't want to fast at all, that it's not is regimented. okay. It's certainly not a salvation matter. Mm. Don't judge one another whether you fast or you don't fast and what day you fast and what day you don't fast. So that's the simple answer yeah. to that question. It's interesting. Again, I think that's the thing. It's Sometimes people will read those um passages with a surface understanding and say you know it looks like it doesn't matter which day you observe um but again like you said the word sabbath doesn't appear there the first day of the week is not referenced there it's not talking about there was a day of worship but now there's a new day of worship we've changed the day of worship um none of those things are present this is talking about feasting and fasting and uh and so 
thanks for raising that one, Danny. Yeah, because sometimes just, that's brought up. It is, and um, and just the end of that, the end of that verse in verse six makes it very clear. Um, it says, "And and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and and gives God thanks. And um, and he who eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks." And so on and so forth. So it's a personal matter between you and the Lord. Yep. But we know that the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, is definitely not a personal matter between you and the Lord only. This is a commandment that God gave, the Sabbath that he gave of creation for the entire human race. It's not something uh, for you or for me or for or for whoever. Um, it's for the whole it's world. It's for humanity. It's for humanity. Yeah, and I think that that's important. It's like, you know, we wouldn't, nobody would make the argument that, you know, look, you don't think it's right to steal, but I do think it's right to steal. You know, you keep your law and I'll keep my law. You know, obviously, uh, you shan't steal. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't murder. You shouldn't keep adultery. All of those we would apply to everybody. We don't think it's okay for some and not for others. That's right. And so uh, the same is true of the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to read a reference here that indicates that difference that I was talking about before. There is a difference between the ceremonial law and the moral law. Yeah, in other words, the, the laws that were given surrounding rituals and sacrifices uh, are different to the Ten Commandments, which are written on stone, spoken by the voice of God, written by the finger of God. Um, there is a difference in, in those uh, laws. And it says here in 1 Corinthians 7.19 that after the cross, uh, it's talking about circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Mm. And circumcision was a blood sacrifice, yes. uh, a little bit different to most of them, but it was a blood sacrifice. And it was not required, uh, as it was in the Old Testament, it was not required of New Testament believers to practice circumcision. And there but was a big debate say, over that. There, there was, was a, a big debate, debate over it. in Acts chapter 15. But it does yeah. say, but keeping the commandments yes. of God is what matters. Yes, well, right. Paul certainly advocated the keeping the commandments. So. So that's important to note. You know, some people um, may not be uh, aware that uh, in over 80 languages of the world, mm. the, de the, the, uh, the word for the seventh day of the week in that language is Sabbath. Well, that would be the case in the, in the tongue that I grew up speaking. Tell me about it. Macedonia. Then. Macedonia. Um, yeah, that's my background, Macedonian. So I didn't know a word of English until I started school at the age of five. No, now you and know a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and now I still struggle with the English language. But don't get me started on Macedonian, otherwise no one will understand. Um, anyway, um, yeah, the word for, for Saturday in yes. Macedonian is sabota. Okay. Sabota, it comes from the, the, the word Sabbath. Okay. And also in Serbian, which is the language of my wife that I can also speak, very similar to Macedonian. Mm -hmm. And Croatian um, is very similar to Serbian. And uh, the word for Saturday is Subota. Right. Subota. Yeah. And so this is true uh, around the world in different languages. 80 different languages around the world have that word Sabbath. To describe the seventh day of the week we have saturday and so we don't get that connection um but in 80 languages around the, around the world they still get that so it will be very obvious to them mm, which day is the sabbath day absolutely. because it's yeah. actually in the language uh just in regard to i want to pick up on something that jesus said in regard to this idea of well you know did god abolish the law did god abolish the sabbath did he do away with the ten commandments you know when jesus came and uh, it says here in Matthew five seventeen through 19, Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not think. Now, there's three words that, um, you know, should 
at least tell you which direction we're moving in here. Don't think this, mm. right? Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus' intention was not to get rid of the Ten Commandments. And uh, we see that clearly. Well, Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. And, that is um, true. And that's all of them, including, including the Sabbath. All right. Let, let me just, uh, before we dive into this next section, I just wanted to mention that if you wanted to call in, maybe you have a comment or question. You might be shouting at the radio right now. <laughs> but if you have a comment or a question, you might want to call in. The number is 1-800-324-843. And then if you would like to text in instead, you can do that. The number is 0491-064-669. So uh, please uh, send in your comments and questions and we'd be happy to receive those. All right, so we've looked at some of the New Testament material. We've seen that the Sabbath is still mentioned there on many occasions, uh, 68 times in the New Testament. Um, and so... Uh, the question naturally arises, if it didn't come from the New Testament, where then does Sunday worship find its origins? And so we want to look at that. I want to read a statement here, Danny, and this is from uh, Cardinal James Gibbons, uh, Roman, a prominent Roman Catholic, and he says the faith in the book, sorry, in the series, The Faith of Our Fathers, uh, he makes this statement, which is interesting. He says, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. Now, that is a plain statement by a prominent uh, church uh, leader um, who understands what the Bible teaches on this topic. And so he's just plainly saying, you can read from Genesis to Revelation, you won't find Sunday in the Bible. In fact, the Bible enforces the religious observance of Saturday. That's right. Yeah, very, very clear. And all the way um, through, through the historical data, uh, you discover that that is indeed the case. Um, I did a, a big research assignment on this some 22 years ago in my final year of studying for, for the ministry, my theology course back in 1998, I looked at the question of the change okay. and how did it take place. And I came across this uh, one, uh, one book, probably the, the most prominent um, book on this subject, um, a PhD a doctorate by an Italian who now has passed away by the name of Samuel Bacchiocchi, Dr. Samuel Bacchiocchi. And he went to Rome. He went to the Pontifical Gregorian University. I was going to say, what, what's the book called and where it's was it called, published? Um, yeah, it was published at the Pontifical Gregorian University Press back in 1977 in Rome. So that would be in Rome. Yep. So he went to um, visit the original sources mm -hmm. of this history that we're unpacking right now and he called his book and uh, the title of, well, and, and, and his thesis, I guess, From Sabbath to Sunday, and this was the subtitle, 
a historical investigation of the rise of Sunday observance in early Christianity. Okay. Now, this book um, is, as I said, it's, it's really the Bible on this subject, um, uh, written, by, written by Dr. Bakioku based on his research. And, and it details uh, some of the history. Oh, it, it's incredible. And it received the Catholic Church's imprimatur. Right. Which is which is literally the gold medal. So the Church of Rome uh, endorsed the book. Endorsed this book. Okay. And at the book at the back of the book, um, it's at the back of there were there are comments from various theologians, and uh, there's there are there are dozens of theologians that are commending this book for its historical accuracy. So this was really groundbreaking. Um, he was, and by the way, he was the first Protestant. Uh, to go and to study at the at the Catholic University wow. there in Rome. Wow, that's amazing. Well, um, and he I, basically came to that same conclusion that you've just shared. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is what I meant by when I first came to this uh, material, I was quite surprised by it because it's it's fairly plain. It doesn't seem like they're trying to hide the the facts. And so it, that that was a Catholic source that we mentioned before. I want to read to you. Uh, something from a Methodist minister, Clovis Chapel, in uh, a book called Ten Rules for Living, page 61. And it says, he says, the reason we observe the first day instead of the seventh is based on no positive command. One will search the scriptures in vain for authority for changing the seventh day to the first. So here is a Methodist minister who is acknowledging that same fact that was uh, mentioned by the Roman Catholic Cardinal, and that is that it's not in the Bible. If you're looking for a change of the Sabbath into Sunday, you won't find it in the Bible. And that's significant because as we move through some of the rest of this history, Danny, um, we, uh, I guess, endorse the position taken by the Protestant reformers some 500 years ago, which is that, the Christian faith should be based on the Bible and the Bible alone. Mm, that's right. Uh, when we want to know what we should believe and what we should practice as Christians, it's the Bible that we should be going to. That you know, Because you might have your ideas, I have my ideas, somebody in another country has other ideas, but it's the Bible that gives us that unity. It's the Bible that gives us that uh, truth and that, that definition of what we ought to be doing. So we're going to come back and talk about this some more because we're going to dive into some interesting history right now. We're about to come to another song, Jaden Lavick, and uh, many people will be have heard of this song before. It's Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the rest. Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, 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 thank God I'm free. It was grace that taught my Just did the grace. 
that was Jaden Lavick and Amazing Grace. Welcome back to Faith FM and the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts and Danny Melenkov. We were talking about, before the break, we were talking about some of the history of the changing of the Sabbath. Or we're going to get into this history now because we've read a couple of statements from church leaders, Roman Catholic and Methodist, who've said, you can look in the Bible, you will not find the change of the Sabbath there. It doesn't lie in the Bible. So where then does it come from? Uh, I'm going to read a statement here. This is from um, a book called From Sabbath to Sunday. And uh, it's it's quoting a 5th century historian in this book. It's quoting a 5th century historian. And it says, Almost all churches throughout the world celebrate the sacred mysteries, that's the Lord's Supper, on the Sabbath of every week. Yet the Christians of Alexandria and at Rome on account of some tradition, have ceased to do this. So here this 5th century historian uh, is looking at the Christian church at that time and he is saying that um, many churches are still keeping the Sabbath and observing the Lord's Supper or communion, some would, would say, on the Sabbath of every week. And yet he's saying at Alexandra, which is in northern Egypt, and at Rome, capital of Italy, um, they have ceased to do this. So they're starting a different tradition. And we want to know, how do you get from the biblical position to what was taking place there in the 5th century? And um, if, I could just, um, if I could just insert, Peter, that uh, all the way through from the 1st century, all the way up until our day, every single century there were Sabbath-keeping Christians uh, yep. worshipping on the seventh day. Yep. I've, got, I've got this... Um, uh, document there were that, before there is today yeah, all the way through so so the sabbath has been maintained all the way through especially there in africa yeah in ethiopia yeah the, that's right the country the country that i was at uh, uh, well a couple of years was it last year i think it was last year i was in ethiopia yeah, okay. uh, running a program and uh, they shared with me the history of the sabbath that has remained all the way from the first century to today okay and yes and as you rightly say danny there are places God has always had people mm. keeping the Sabbath Absolutely. from the time of Adam all the way through to the present day. And uh, that's important to understand. Okay, so uh, how do we get the change? So when um, you can read about this in the, the New Testament, but there, is, there was persecution of the Jews by the Romans in the latter part of the first century. Of course, there was persecution against the Christians as well. But um, for the Roman Empire... The Christians were in many ways just seen as another type of Jew because they were following a Jewish Messiah. Many of the early Christians were Jews anyway. And so there was oppression uh, and, and uh, rejection of the Jews and, and persecution of the Jews. And in a book called Divine Rest for Human Restlessness, page 238, Dr. Samuel Bakayoko mentioned earlier, he says, beginning with the first Jewish revolt against Rome, 66 to 70 AD, uh, various repressive measures, military, political, and fiscal, were imposed by the Romans upon the Jews. And uh, so he's talking here, the, the, uh, there was the Jewish uh, revolt led by Simon Bar Kokhba uh, from 132 to 135 AD, and that was finally put down by the Roman emperor at the time, whose name was Hadrian, the emperor Hadrian. Now, Many people may have heard of the Emperor Hadrian because of a famous wall in northern Britain. And there is a wall uh, that goes basically from Carlisle to Newcastle. Uh, 
across northern England. It's called Hadrian's Wall. Um, and now Hadrian, by the way, we've been to many places, you and I, Danny, in the Middle East and around the Mediterranean Basin. Hadrian put up a lot of different monuments in different places. Mm. We've seen monuments to Hadrian in Jerash, in Jordan. Yes, that's We saw right. a monument to Hadrian in uh, Tunisia when we were there. And so here we've got a monument to Hadrian in northern England. Um, which is a long way which from is Rome. A long way from Rome. And so now Hadrian's Wall, what's fascinating, I'll give a bit of trivia here. Right now, you and I, Danny, we are in a radio studio in Wall's End near Newcastle, That's right, right. Uh, on the outer fringes of Newcastle. And uh, I wanted, you know, I wondered if people understood where the name Wall's End came from. Do you know where the name was? I've Wall- got no idea. You've got no idea. Well, let me enlighten you. In England, the Hadrian's Wall, as I said, goes from Carlisle to Newcastle. And in Newcastle, there's a, a suburb of Newcastle called Wall's End. Is that right? And that's, guess what? That's where the wall ends. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's where Hadrian's Wall ends. Oh, that's why it's called Wall's End. Okay, right? okay. And so when uh, the settlers, the European settlers, came here to Australia and they decided, what do we call this uh, coastal city just north of Sydney, what do we call that? Oh, well, there's a northern coastal city in England called Newcastle. We'll call this one Newcastle. And then they thought, well, there's a suburb of Newcastle in England called Wall's End. We'll call this one Wall's End. Okay. And that's where this suburb, Wall's End, gets its name, from the suburb in England just outside Newcastle called Wall's End, which is where the wall end. Ends, wow. which is quite interesting. Well, I was going to guess, has it got something to do with wall? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> has right. Has it got something to do? But I, no, I had no idea So Hadrian's about wall, built by, the, yeah, built by the Emperor Hadrian. But Adrian, Emperor Hadrian was the one who um, uh, oppressed and persecuted the Jews at this time and put down their rebellion. And in his book, again, page 237 of Divine Rest for Human Restlessness, he says, Hadrian at this time prohibited the practice of the Jewish religion throughout the empire, condemning especially Sabbath observance. Mm-hmm. Now, you think about what that does. When the emp- and You think about how powerful Rome was becoming, right? It now reached into northern England mm. and, and, you know, all the way east and south as well. And so the, the empire is growing in power and dominance. And the Roman emperor says, right, I'm ruling out the Jew. I'm abolishing the Jewish religion, and you can't practice Sabbath keeping because that was their their signature, wasn't it? As a faith, their Sabbath. We read. I think we read a verse last week where it says, you know, the Sabbath was a sign between God and the people that He was their God and they were His people. And so uh, he goes on to say, impressive indications suggest that Sunday observance was introduced at this time in conjunction with Easter Sunday as an attempt to clarify to the Roman authorities the Christian distinction from Judaism. So some people, many people, of course, were keeping the Sabbath, continue to keep the Sabbath because that's what they were doing. That's part of their faith. But some people were saying, well, you know, maybe we should be moving away from Sabbath keeping because now it's, you know, been, um, you know, stopped by the Roman Empire. In my reading, uh, when I did my study in Unlike Bakayoki, who spent years and years, I, uh, I spent a few months, and I discovered that Christians, in order to differentiate themselves from, from, from the Jews and, and not experience that horrible persecution they were experiencing that you spoke of, they continued to worship on the seventh-day Sabbath, but on the first day, they saw that as a, a holiday. 
Right. So the Sabbath was a H-O-L-Y day, a holy, holy day. day. And Sunday became like a family festive mm. holiday. And um, and as time goes on, you can imagine, you know, the generations mm. where um, where where Sunday's seen as the fun day, yep. and Saturday's seen as not such a fun day. Um, that had a huge impact moving forward on the coming generations. But I will summarize um, what. Samuel- let me leap in, and then yeah. I'll let you summarize yeah, because I wanted to add something to that. You're right, you're dead right about that. In fact. Um, for for a little while, they were keeping both days. So they, they would were. keep Saturday and Sunday, like you said, as a holy day and a holiday. Uh, and by the way, that's where we get our weekend. I mean, if ever anybody's ever thought about yeah, why that's is true. it that we that work. That is true. That's a good point. Do you know what I mean? That is where we get our yeah, weekend. It is. It is. That's you correct. Know, yes. If people wondered why do we work Monday to Friday and we've got, you know, most people have Saturday and Sunday off or having right. historically right. Five-day week. Five-day week. The five-day week. And so that's where we get that from. And what they would do too is they would say, well, because Sabbath is a holy day, we're going to fast on that that's holy right. day. That's right. That was another uh, thing, But yes. Sunday, because it's a celebration day, we're going to feast. And so it doesn't take a lot of imagination to imagine which, which of those two days becomes more popular when you're fasting on one of them mm. and feasting on the other. Obviously, people are going to look forward to, to Sunday. It was so twisted because mm. um, in the Jewish culture, the Sabbath was the most precious, the most beautiful yeah. day of the week. And that's where you had your special meals. Yeah. You had your special meals over the Sabbath. Yeah. And so it's interesting. It was a family how, celebration. Yeah, it's interesting how that became so twisted. Mm. And yeah, so this is this uh, summary from Dr. Bakayoki. This is from his book, uh, From Sabbath to Sunday, uh, based on his thesis that we spoke of earlier, and he just summarizes it really well in these in just a couple of sentences. He says, the investigation, that is his investigation that he did, shows that the adoption of Sunday in place of the Sabbath did not occur in the primitive church of Jerusalem by virtue of apostolic authority. So he's, not, he's saying you won't find it anywhere in the New Testament. It didn't happen through the apostles, through Jesus, or through anyone in the New Testament. But he goes on. Approximately a century later, so this is about middle of the second century we're speaking of, approximately a century later in the Church of Rome, an interplay, now this is really important, an interplay of Jewish, which is what you spoke about, pagan, and Christian factors contributed to the abandonment of the Sabbath and adoption of Sunday observance instead. Mm-hmm. So it was a number of things in the mix that brought about this change from the seventh-day Sabbath to the first day of the week. Paganism and sun worship was very much at the forefront. So I'm sure we're going to probably tap into that a little bit For because, sure. I mean, the day itself, it's called Sunday, the day of the sun. Let, we're getting there. We, we don't okay, want to we don't, we don't want to go. Okay. We're getting there. Okay. Okay, so this is um, from Apostolic Constitutions. This is from 4th century documents, okay? It says, The purity of the apostolic church stood firm and pure, but when the second and third generation Christians came along, we see evidence of compromise and apostasy. And this is interesting because Paul himself said that after the apostles had died off, then there were going to be changes in the mm. Christian church. There will be challenges to the Christian church. And that's church. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if people uh, want to well, yeah, pick we up see, on it, verse 3 right. and 4. Yeah, we'll probably come to that a little later. But okay. I, he foresaw that that mm. would occur, and that's indeed what we find. Sometimes, you know, when people um, have a conversion uh, and they find Jesus and they find salvation and they're on fire, they're born again, um, and they, you know, they, they have a passion for that, for the Lord, because they've they've found salvation, 
Then they give rise to children who may not be as passionate as their parents because they have inherited, if you like, a Christian faith from their parents. And then you might have grandchildren who have a different, uh, you know, a different experience. And so through the various generations, this is why it's very important that every person has their own experience with God. Mm. We can't borrow it from somebody else. We can't inherit it from our mum and dad. We can't borrow it from our grandparents. We have to have our own experience. It's great to have that foundation. It's great to, great to be raised with the knowledge of God and the Bible. But there comes a point in a person's life when they have to make that own decision as to whether they're going to follow the Lord or not. And so that, that's very important. So uh, in a book called The Ancient Church, Dr. W.D. Killen, who was a uh, Presbyterian, um, he writes this, he says, between the days of the apostles and the conversion of Constantine, rites and ceremonies of which neither Paul nor Peter ever heard crept silently into use and then claimed the rank of divine institutions. So there were things that were coming into the church from the pagan world, from the world of various other religious beliefs. People were becoming Christians, but they were bringing a lot of their cultural and religious beliefs with them. That's right. And so uh, this was this was very much at the forefront, the day of the sun, as we pointed out. And uh, the first ever Sunday law. Yeah. Well, let's come to this. In, this is a very important section. Was, was brought in by Constantine the Great, who was the so first Roman is, emperor. Yeah, the tell first, us. Go on. He, he was a Roman emperor and he was the first Roman emperor that converted to Christianity. Or right. that's... That espoused Christianity. Espoused Christianity, yes. So there's a story behind that which we don't have time to share. But on March 7, 321, he issued the first ever Sunday law, which um, was in regards to prohibiting work. Uh, well, unnecessary work. He allowed work to mm -hmm. continue on in, in agriculture, but unnecessary work on the first day of the week. And it's in the on the venerable day of the sun. Read, read it out is, there. Is, is part of it. On the venerable day of the sun, wrote Constantine, let the magistrates and people residing in the cities rest and let all the workshops be closed. All right. So so here, yeah, as you said, this is this is big news because you have the Roman emperor who, you know, it, the previous emperor to, to Constantine and previous emperors had persecuted the Christian church. So the Christian faith was a persecuted religion. And now all of a sudden you have the Roman emperor himself declaring he's become a Christian. And uh, what you find now is that there is a transition of the church being um, outlawed and persecuted to being accepted and tolerated. And, and we'll talk and about it. becoming the, the church of the Roman Empire. All right, we're going to have some more music. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. And this is Brooke Fraser with Faithful. There's distance in the air And I cannot make it leave I wave my arms round about me And blow with all my might I cannot sense you close Though I know you're always here But the comfort of you near Is what I long When I can't feel you, I have learned to reach out just as 
Hello everyone and welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM's afternoon program on a Wednesday afternoon. It's Looking Up with Peter Watts and Danny Melenkov. And we've been talking about um, how... We've been talking about some Christian history. We've been looking at how Sunday, as a day of rest and worship, uh, became a, a religious institution. And we've been looking at some of the uh, the history this afternoon. Um, if you uh, wanted to call in with a comment or a question, um, we've been giving out the number 1-800-324-843. You can do that. Uh, if you called earlier... Through a technical glitch, we uh, somehow missed that call. So if you would like to ring back, we will do our utmost to uh, to get that call. So please call in if you have a question or comment. All right, so we mentioned uh, earlier, Danny, that um, Emperor Constantine, he becomes a Christian and uh, he then um, sets out this first ever law regarding what you can and can't do on Sunday and talks about um, not... Uh, not working and, and resting on Sunday. And then we come along in, in history a little later in the year 325 uh, AD. Sylvester, Bishop of Rome, changed the title of the first day, calling it the Lord's Day. Mm. Now, this is an interesting step because, as I mentioned before, when I was a kid growing up in England, if somebody had said to you, which day is the Lord's Day? You would have naturally said, well, Sunday is the Lord's Day. But not up until 325 AD, it wasn't. And in other words, it was only given that title at that point. And if you think about it, this is over 1,600 years ago. Hmm. And it's had that much time to, I guess, entrench itself as a tradition that everybody just accepts as you know, normal because it's been such a long time. Mm, interesting. And um, it only took four years after Constantine's Sunday law edict right. that the church jumped on board. Yeah, so like you said before, uh, they had been by tradition uh, moving in this direction for a while and then they decided to, to give it that day. But of course, from a biblical standpoint, the Lord's Day is actually the Sabbath day, which is the day we would commonly call Saturday. What's interesting about that is, um, you know, there are various translations of the New Testament um, and there is a paraphrase called the message which uh, sets out the sentences in in easy-to-understand language. But if you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, where John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, it actually says, it was Sunday and I was in the Spirit. Oh, wow. And so that word is there. So because people read the Lord's Day and they say, well, we know what that is, uh, you know, or we think we do. And uh, that's how much that idea has become entrenched in Christian thought. 300 years Almost after the death and the resurrection and the yeah. ascension of Jesus, this title is given. So yeah. it took a long time. It took a long time. And then we're coming further forward in history. We come to uh, the Council of Laodicea, which was a church council of 364 AD. And uh, a statement was made at that church council. It says, Christians shall not Judaize. And what they mean by that is keeping the Sabbath. Christians shall not keep Sabbath and be idle on Saturday, but shall work on that day. But the Lord's day they shall especially honour, and as being Christians, shall, if possible, do not work on that day. If, however, they are found Judaizing, that is, keeping Sabbath, they shall be shut out from Christ. Mm. Think about this. By the time you get to this church council, not only are they completely contradicting the fourth commandment, which it says, you know, the seventh day is the, the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall do no work. Mm. 
Here they're saying you should work. Don't be idle. Don't rest on Saturday. You should be working, uh, but keep keep Sunday instead. Or else you'll be shut out from Christ. Shut out from Christ. Now, that is quite a dramatic statement. So that's really turning the tables. Mm. Um, and so it's not so much a case of, oh, you like Saturday, we like Sunday, somebody else likes Tuesday. That's not it at all. There is actually a, a, uh, an effort to change the day and abolish the Sabbath, really, uh, is what's going on here. Then a little uh, later, uh, in spite of this, Christians were still observing Sabbath in the 6th century. For Pope Gregory denounced as prophets of Antichrist those who maintained that work ought not to be done on the seventh day. It's incredible. So, you know, <laughs> prophets of far, Antichrist. See how far we're moving now. Yeah. We're moving from commandment keepers to uh, a little bit nervous about the persecution of Sabbath keepers, so shall we keep Sunday instead? Yeah. Uh, the, the Hol- holy day versus holiday. People in, worshipping yeah. the sun in the pagan Roman yeah. Empire and then coming into the church and bringing that sun worship with them and so forth. So you've got a lot of different elements here. Um, in a book called The Christian Sabbath, it says, page 16, the Catholic Church for over a thousand years before the existence of a Protestant by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. So there are many, many statements that we can read, and we won't read them all today, um, where it talks about the fact that the church, after the Bible was written, changed the day, and they claim that they have the authority to do it. The question for us today is, does the church have the right to dispense with God one of God's commandments? And clearly not. You, you would think that's an obvious answer. You know, we, you know, we here in this room, we could say, let's start a church and let's vote to take out one of God's commandments. We, we can't decide. We, we can't decide which of God's commandments should be abolished. That's not for us to determine. The Ten Commandments are God's Ten Commandments. And, um, and maybe we can just finish off on, on this. Um, it's, it's an interesting, um, interesting note here in, in the Converts Catechism. It asks the question, which is the Sabbath day? And the answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Uh, the follow-up question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday is what you have been saying. So the Church well, of Rome in its own teachings, in its catechism, uh, makes that statement very clear. And further on it says, we have changed the day to Sunday because of the resurrection, which is not in Scripture. Yeah, true. Okay, so... That is fascinating to know. So we're going to come back and talk some more about these different things and what happened after the Reformation or at the time of the Reformation. We've got uh, Carly Fletcher. She's going to sing a song called Love One Another. children if you will 
Love One Another from Carly Fletcher. And uh, Danny, you've got a free offer. Yes, indeed. And this is our free offer. You were listening to Carly Fletcher and we are giving away her album entitled No More Goodbyes. So if you would like to receive this album, the first person to call in right now, I'm going to give you the phone numbers, you will receive that. That's our free gift to you this afternoon. 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843 or 0491-064-669. So the first person to call up will receive this wonderful album, No More Goodbyes. Thank you, Danny. All right, so we are going to uh, dive into our last segment here. Uh, the, the show's gone really quick this afternoon, Danny. Um, but many people may have heard of the Reformation. They might have heard of a man by the name of Martin Luther. They may have heard of the Lutheran Church, which was named after him. Um, but around uh, the year 1517, Martin Luther began a, a Reformation. Um, now, there have been reformers before him and there were certainly more after him, but this is really regarded as the spark, the, the beginning point of the Reformation proper. And um, Martin Luther was able to read the scriptures because the, the printing press had recently been invented, only in the previous century, and more Bibles were being made available. Martin Luther himself was able to read the Bible and he, he, he looked at the, where the church was and where the Bible was and he saw a discrepancy. And he began to protest about the departure from Scripture. And this is really what the, the Reformation was about. And, and his, that's why it's called the Protestant the Reformation. The Protestant Reformation. And, and his mantra really was sola scriptura, which means the Bible and the Bible alone. In other words, when it comes to faith, when it comes to practice of the Christian faith, the Bible should be our standard. Well, towards um, the middle to end of the... 16th century, the, the, the church of which, Roman, of which Martin Luther was a part, the Roman Catholic Church, they said, what, what do we do with all these protests? Because it wasn't just Luther, it was Calvin and Knox and others and Zwingli. These men were, were protesting the departure from Scripture. And what, let's get back to Scripture. And the church said, what do we do about that? Let's have a church council. And they organized a council. It was called the Council of Trent. It lasted for over 17 years. Mm. Can you imagine a church council lasting 17 <laughs> years? And they would have sessions and then we'd break up for a little bit and then they would come back and have another session. And in the Council of Trent, um, they said this. They said, like two sacred rivers flowing from paradise, the Bible and divine tradition contain the word of God. Though these two divine streams are of equal sacredness, Still of the two, tradition is to, to us more clear and safe. In other words, what they're saying is if we find a discrepancy between the Bible and the traditions of the church, 
we're going to go with the traditions of the church, which is a really interesting position to take. And I want you to notice why one of the reasons was that they went down that road. Um, talking about the history of this particular council, the Council of Trent, um, H. Holtzman uh, writes in a book called Canon and Tradition, uh, page 263, he says this, Finally, at the last opening, this is the last opening of the Council of Trent, at the last opening on the 18th of January, uh, 1562, all hesitation was set aside. The Archbishop of Reggio made a speech in which he openly declared that tradition stood above Scripture. Now get this. The authority of the church could therefore not be bound to the authority of Scripture because the church had changed the Sabbath into Sunday, not by a command of Christ, but by its own authority. The point of this here, Danny, is that the church is saying, look, we cannot go back to Scripture alone. We can't go back to the Bible alone, because if we do, we will have to abandon Sunday observance and go back to Sabbath keeping. Because Sunday observance, they recognized, was a change that the church had made and not the Bible. And by the way, it was at the Council of Trent where the Church of Rome dismissed uh, the Protestant Reformation that went by the Bible and the Bible alone because the Protestants continued to hold on to Sunday as their day of worship. And they continued to reform. And in fact, you and I, uh, Danny, we would regard ourselves as children of the Reformation. We, we're we're right. to continue that Reformation. We want to get ever, ever closer to God through the Scriptures and by adhering to those principles that are laid out in the Scriptures. So we believe in the Reformation. We believe that Reformation is continuing to this day. And um, just to, to identify this, um, the, um, the St. Catherine's... Uh, Catholic Church Sentinel, a Roman Catholic paper in May 21, 1995, says perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church ever did happened in the first century. Well, we've already seen it happen later than that. Yeah. It says the holy day of the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday, not from any directions noted in Scripture, but from the church's sense of its own power. And so what we would just in closing here, Danny, as we wrap up, is we basically are asking people to consider is that legitimate? Are we able to change the commandments of God and just put in the traditions of the church? Is that what God wants us to do? Or does God, in fact, want us to keep his commandments? There's a verse in Matthew 15, verse 9, where Jesus says, In vain they worship me, mm. teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so that is really our challenge. Do we go with the Bible or do we go with tradition? And uh, I don't know about you, Danny, but I would prefer to stick with the Bible, I think. Well, I like, the, I like the response of Peter and the other apostles when they were asked this very question. And in Acts 5.29, they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. All right. Well, we're just about coming to the end of uh, today's presentation. I'm sure that our listeners have heard some things that perhaps they may not have heard before. I know for me, much of this history, in fact, almost all of this history was new to me. And uh, I uh, saw, saw what had happened in history. I uh, had become a new believer in God. I was a new believer in the Bible. And I decided to follow the Lord of the Sabbath. And, and uh, we want to encourage people to do that. We're out of time today. Uh, we're looking forward to possibly seeing you next time. Until then, please continue to keep looking up. Thank you for listening this afternoon.
And um, God bless from me and have and from great, me. <laughs> and have, have a great rest of the evening. Thanks, Danny. Blessings. Seeing you next week. Bye bye.